So welcome to our Buddhist center in Notamara and for the three o'clock to 4.15 meditation class. And this is, we have two classes on a Saturday afternoon. This is the ongoing class for those who've meditated before. And we also have an introduction to meditation class which is being held in the room to my right. Just as you come in past the reception area, the first room in there, and that's been taken by Dennis, uh, one of our, our previous committee members, presidents, and it's a very nice meditation teacher. So over here, we sit meditation a little bit longer, usually for 40, 45 minutes, and also, uh, we usually talk about something which is a little bit deeper in meditation, which allows people to actually progress in their meditation to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And when we do get deeper in our meditation, it's not just learning how to relax our body, but it's also learning how to relax the mind. We have something uh, in the English language called peace of mind, and people don't very rarely understand what that means. Peace of mind doesn't just mean there's no uh, business going on, no problems, no thoughts, nothing to plan. It means something much more than that. It's when the mind becomes peaceful, it becomes free of the past and the future. It becomes more than just free of the past and the future. It also gets free of this this uh, voice inside our head, which is always talking to us and planning and criticizing and often saying, judging us, usually judging us to say we're not good enough. So all that disappears and we have some peace, some silence inside the mind. It is literally peaceful. Just like when you have a radio on, I don't know if radios these days, you have some music on in your house and you turn off the sound. And when the sound turns off, there is more peace inside your head. In other words, you're not just listening to things like thoughts and ideas and plans and criticisms. You have silence. And you can imagine just because those words, thoughts are not there, you not only get silence, but you get this beautiful sense of peace. And it's not just a lack of noise. It is that peace is something positive. It's got a flavor to it. Peace is one of the emotions. And that emotional positivity of peace usually starts growing in your meditation. You have peace of mind. And it's quite rare in our Western world anyway to have peace of mind when you're still alive. Which is one of the reasons why many people rest in peace. Where? in Karakata or Pinaru or some other cemetery somewhere. But we want to learn what it's like to rest in peace right here, right now, when we can really enjoy it. And so we get a peaceful mind. And a peaceful mind is there's hardly anything going on there at all to disturb you. The mind is silent, but it's not asleep. It's perfectly aware. And that's one of the things to be able to notice in one's meditation. Some years ago, someone told me, this monk said, that when the mind is getting peaceful, it's like it has a choice, like a fork in the road. 
And I like the way he described it. In that fork in the road, one direction leads to sleepiness. The other direction leads to peace, but full awareness. And it's almost like a choice you can have there. Are you going to just go to sleep? Or are you going to keep peaceful, but still have that clarity of mind? And once you can know that fork, of course, it's much more pleasant having the peace, but being there to enjoy it. When people get very dull in their meditation, yes, they're peaceful, but they're missing out and enjoying the beauty, the delight, and even, you go as far as saying, the pleasure of peace. But when the meditation starts to get really peaceful and you're awake, there's awareness there, sometimes that awareness just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. You become more aware, not less aware. And it's a very interesting experience to be sitting there and hardly anything's going on in the mind, but you feel really awake and alert. And what you are awake and aware, what you are aware of is just the nature of peace itself. Delightful, joyful, and often people feel they can hang out there for a long period of time. And that's often when, if you ring a bell in the meditation, then it's a bit of a disturbance. You're disturbing people who are having a wonderful time meditating. It's one of the things which I used to notice when I went on retreat, when I wasn't leading retreats, but I was just participating in them. And sometimes when the bell went, oh, what do you ring the bell for? You were very happy to carry on meditating for much, much longer. But anyhow, we try in 45 minutes is a decent time to meditate. You should be able to get reasonably, reasonably peaceful by that time. And when that mind gets very peaceful, it becomes very satisfying. Because it's satisfying, it pleases the mind with its own pleasure. You don't need to go thinking about fantasies, plans, or what you're going to have for dinner tonight, or anything like that. It's already just happy just being here. You get this beautiful sense of freedom because in those peaceful states of mind, you don't have to do anything. It's like you really can relax. You can rest. You don't have to decide, should I do this, should I do that, how can I make this happen, what should I do next? All of those thoughts and plans just vanish, you're free. And you're not getting bored. In fact, you're getting so satisfied and so enjoying what it's like to be peaceful, what it's like to feel free. And when that starts to happen, if the joy starts to come up in the meditation, that is excellent. Because after you start to experience the joy in the meditation, then the mind starts to get so much joy that it becomes, it's like it starts to make the mind bright. And that brightness of the mind is not just an energized mind where you can actually really be aware but it also means that it's a very bright mind and this is where often you see the beautiful lights in the mind, what we call these nimittas. And I mention this because just in the questions last night, even though I was talking about um, ghosts and spirits and things, 
still that the questions weren't really on my talk but on other things but they were saying about the lights in the mind we call these the nimittas which is part of Buddhist meditation you see, we read about that for those of you who doubt this in the Upakalesa Sutta which the Buddha taught and this is what happens when the mind gets very still the body gets very calmed down hardly can experience it at all and then you can feel the delight in the mind and once the mind begets, feels delightful then often you see these beautiful lights in the mind it's like the classical description of like a full moon it's one of the reasons why if you ever can go out at night time even sort of last night you could see the full moon out not really the full moon but you know it's about two-third moon but it was still very clear in the night sky when it's a really full moon over in Bodhinyana Monastery I just love those evenings because the moon is just so clear and that's just like the nimittas which happen in the mind you're getting very peaceful in other words the body is just almost disappeared you're not listening to any sounds if there is any sound it's like a thousand miles away and you're right inside the mind happy sort of content and the mind becomes very bright and you can start to see these limiters and sometimes there's many types of the limiters and uh, often I've talked about what I called sheet limiters like the whole mind is just like bright it may not be a very bright very intense light at first maybe just like a sheet in front of the mind which appears white or yellow or whatever the colors are not important but after a while it brightens up as the mindfulness increases you get more and more still more peaceful the energy of mindfulness builds what you're actually seeing is a reflection of your own mind that's the reality of it but it takes a while to realize that and the brighter it is the more still it is the more beautiful it appears and sometimes those limiters are incredibly bright but one thing with those limiters they do become very brilliant and very beautiful when the five senses of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting and touching get more and more subdued all your energy is not going into the five senses it's going into the mind into the sixth sense and that's why it gets very beautiful and you don't have to worry about your body because you know the body when it's the mind is very still it's almost like it's protected and it's a very beautiful thing to experience and this is where the mi mindfulness you can find out how strong it can become I know often we talk about developing mindfulness in meditation but this is you know, these are terms which I just invented for myself you get powerful mindfulness and then superpower mindfulness and a way of describing that powerful or super powerful mindfulness is that when you have those deep meditations you know you see beautiful lights in the mind and you come out afterwards and you just you know, just look at the the old carpet here and the carpet looks beautiful it's weird because this carpet has been in this hall the same carpet for I don't know how many years Bill how long have we had this hall here about 30 years 35 years or whatever 
But anyway, uh, it's the same old carpet. And you think, well, it's just ordinary. But it's amazing that just once the awareness becomes really strong, whatever you see looks very beautiful. It's weird, but that is totally the case. And sometimes on meditation retreats, you know, I see this with some of the meditators, when they go outside the hall in uh, Jhana Grove, sometimes they're just looking at a little, a little piece of grass which is poking up through the, uh, the paving. And they're looking at it, and it looks absolutely gorgeous. One of the most beautiful things they've ever seen. And this is the job of that mindfulness. It doesn't just see things. It sees the beauty in it. So you can understand when this happens with your mind. You're meditating here. You can see this mind much more clearly. It appears like a light and that light gets brighter and brighter and brighter. And if this ever happens to you, amazing, you really enjoy your meditation really deeply. And also, you know, you'll sometimes, as a, I remember this coming up for me years ago, and other people had similar experiences. Sometimes the meditation gets so delightful, you think that you can't take so much joy. But please, take it from me, you can. <laughs> There's no limit. Or the light becomes so bright, brighter than the sun, and you think it's going to blind me. It doesn't. This is a mental image, not a, a physical image. The sense of sight has turned off. This is just how you interpret that mind, which is peaceful and strong, interpreting it as a light, because that's our major sense. That's where most of our language is, comes from, a bright mind. So this is something which happens in meditation. If it does, great, just carry on and enjoy it. It's totally, 100% safe. And it's also a great cause of good health. But just in itself, it's so joyful and peaceful. And if ever you read some of the descriptions of meditation, that you find out that this is exactly how the Buddha described it and how <coughs> meditating monks for generations have been describing it. You go deep inside and the five senses kind of vanish. And you're left not with not being aware of anything at all, but being super aware of your mind, the sixth sense, appearing like a beautiful light, full of joy and happiness. You don't do anything, you just remain there and enjoy it. And it can get even deeper. That's another subject. So just for today, that's a little instructions. See what happens when you let go of the five senses and access your mind, peace of mind. So if you're not already in the meditation posture, please adjust your body to make sure that your body is comfortable. <coughs> I will do a quick guided meditation just to get the awareness settled and hopefully allow it to grow so we can take you deeper into the, the beautiful, delightful meditations.
So we have to go through the body first of all to get to the mind. So first of all, just how are your, your legs? How are your feet? They're in a good position. Can you experience the sensations in your feet now? Including your toes. I like to do this because it does focus my mindfulness on my feet and it increases its strength. You start to be able to be sensitive to feelings which most of the day you just are unaware of. And once I can experience those sensations clearly, it's a very simple thing to relax those sensations. To make them feel more peaceful. And the more you relax those sensations, just even in your feet, the more delightful they feel. They feel kind of pleasurable. Not deep pleasure, but it's certainly positive. It's nice to be aware of them. And then once those are relaxed, they go further. Go further up the lower legs, including the ankles. I can feel my ankles now. Whereas I feel them, aware of them, Relaxing them and moving that awareness up my legs, enjoying their sensations as I go. A lot of time to increase the awareness, I just have to go more slowly. And as you go more slowly, You pick up more. I go to my knees. And if your knees are a bit tight, like mine are right now, I can feel them. Be kind to them. It's like with the connection I've made for my brain to my knees. Once that connection is clear, I can send kindness, warmth, a sense of well-being, and my knees relax. The little tightness and ache I felt a few minutes ago gets less in intensity. It's not that I'm doing something, some letting it be. It's a not doing which I practice. A relaxing. And move that awareness up past the knees to the thighs. Making sure I can feel the thighs right now. They feel really good. Up to the buttocks. 
sitting on the cushion, relaxing that feeling as much as I can, and knowing that once I've relaxed it to a certain level, it will disappear. As because that sensation of pressure on my buttock muscles against the cushion, it doesn't change. So it will soon vanish. It's one of the important teachings that anything which remains the same, soon you won't notice it anymore. It's how we calm down our senses and allow them to turn off. There'll be background noise all the time. We don't pay too much attention to it. And after a while you won't be able to even hear it. Uh, relax my waist, making sure that's as comfortable as possible on my back. Just twisting my top of my back to make it feel just right, as best I possibly can. And a lot of time you don't have to make it perfect, just the fact you care for it. It's enough that the body will start to cooperate with you. When you go up your body, starting the bottom of the torso, and I usually go up noticing my digestive tract. And really relaxing it to the max. I can feel sensations there. And today they're nice and peaceful. Go out to my stomach. <coughs> that feels pretty good. Up to my lungs. With practice you become very aware of your own body. You know the signs of health, the signs of stress. And you can work with your body to keep it at peace and healthy and relaxed. Up past my heart to the shoulders, and relaxing those shoulders, <coughs> and going down the arms, past the elbows, past the wrists, to my hands. And if there's anything in those arms which is doesn't feel quite right, or feels tight, or painful, I'd always relax, always stay there, and relax some more, until that feeling of tightness eases off. And my arms feel just really at ease and at peace. And go up to my shoulders and my neck, <coughs> Got an itchy throat today, don't know why. <coughs> That's better. And then to my face. 
relaxing the muscles around the eyes and around the mouth, especially. When you're aware of those muscles, it's easy to relax them. The awareness allows you to have feedback. And that allows me to try this, try that, and eventually you learn how to relax your own muscles in your face. Then having relaxed the whole body as best I can, I now become aware of the whole body as, as if it's one unit. As I'm experiencing that body, there's anything there which needs some attention, I give it to that part of the body. And I go back to the whole body until I can feel like it's beginning to arise now. The joy of being aware of a relaxed body. Because I know training myself to be aware of joy instead of mistakes. When I'm aware of the joy, it feeds a much stronger form of mindfulness. And I don't want to fantasize or fall asleep or plan, because you're enjoying just being here. It's pleasant just to be aware of a relaxed to the max body. Once that body is a certain amount of relaxation, I know I can move away from it. And it will just keep on relaxing more and more by itself. So this is where I start turning to the mind. Just noticing how peaceful I am. And knowing that being in this present moment allows that peace to stabilize. Yeah, I have many things to do in the future, many stuff which is unfinished from the past, but what's done is finished. So I let the past go. And I always remember that now is where my future is being made. So I keep reminding myself, if I if I care about my future, then care about the place where it's made, the present moment. So I allow the mind just to be in the present. But I know from experience it won't stay there unless it's enjoying itself, unless it notices the delight in the present moment. So this is where I act, I add some more kindness. 
unkind to what's happening now. And I see its value. This moment is more important than anything else. And it feels good. When this moment starts to be accompanied by joy, and it does stabilize. You don't have to hold the mind in the present moment. It just wants to stay there by itself. It also means I can really relax and be silent. I don't need to take notes. I don't need to describe these things in words to myself. I just know without thinking. My awareness becomes silent. And the awareness grows in strength. I always maintain the kindness there. A mind which knows with a sense of softness and care. And soon for me, most things vanish and you just become aware of your breathing. It's not that you decide to watch your breath. You find that's what you are aware of. Because you're doing very little, the breath is usually very soft. It makes it easier to be with. Many years ago, I decided never to train my breath, but to get a different attitude to my breath, an attitude of friendship and respect. We've known each other so well over so many years of meditating. It's like hanging out with your best friend. You don't need to force anything. You just enjoy each other's company. Because you relax, the mind becomes even more peaceful. Just being with your breathing. when the joy really starts to grow, those are when the lights usually come in. Notice in your mind the sense that you're seeing a little light in your mind, like someone shining, first of all, a weak flashlight into your mind, and then noticing it gets stronger. You're developing the awareness of these nimitta lights. 
and please trust in that. Don't think this is just imagination or fantasy. Trust in them. And if they do manage to establish themselves in you, you have some fantastic meditations. I'm going to be quiet now. When I speak again, you'll be close to the end of the meditation.
close to the end of the meditation now. How do you feel? How peaceful did you experience? What does that peace feel like? Did you see any limiters? How were they? And how does your body feel now? I'll now ring the gong three times. When the gong finishes sounding for the third time, please come out from the meditation. Thank you, Al. So, I have a few questions on the tablet here, so I'll do those first of all. Here they go. How, how do you stop craving previous meditative experiences? It's quite natural that people do that, but to realize that that's not the way to re-experience them. When you have meditation experiences which are beautiful and deep and peaceful and blissful, always remember just what caused them. Why did they happen? A lot of times because you were peaceful. You were still, you didn't want anything in the whole world. You were content and easily satisfied. That's why they happened. And after a while you realize, yes, they're delightful, but please, you don't want anything in the whole world. And that's the cause for those deep meditative experiences. From Indonesia, please describe to us your first meditation that worked. How did you feel? At what point did you start enjoying meditation? And I think I've told that story many times before. Still uh, in the world, still a student, my first meditation retreat, and not expecting anything, and just sitting down and getting all these beautiful lights in the mind, and just blissing out. And it kind of, it rocks you. I said, what on earth is going on? And it was you know, some of the greatest pleasure I'd ever experienced. And that kind of grabs you. How do you feel? Fantastic. So that's a really big enjoying meditation, but of course those come, they go. 
but afterwards it gives you a taste. It's a taste you don't forget. And so from that time on you're always enjoying meditation. Why do I sometimes see beautiful images, faces, landscapes, drifting past during meditation? All time passes so fast. If as long as it's beautiful images, that's a good, good sign of light limiters. But when they are images, see if you can simplify them. In other words, if you do see a face, see something on the face which is the most beautiful part. It could be like a tip of a nose or just like a sparkle in the eye or something. This is one of the little tricks which I learnt. Seeing like a landscape in the meditation, we call those quite coarse nimitas. But then seeing that landscape, then I naturally just noticed on one of the trees, on the, a leaf of one of those trees, there was a dewdrop and it sparkled in the sunlight. And that drew my attention in. So it's like, you don't deliberately focus on that without, with effort, it just draws you in. And so that little sparkle became, uh, took over the whole of the mind. And that is actually how you make use of those nimbuters when they start, to see the most beautiful part of the most beautiful part of the most beautiful part. Keep always going inwards. Time passes so fast because time doesn't have any meaning anymore. Of course, you know, you don't sort of disappear and wake up sort of ten years later. Just the ordinary sort of time passes, but you're not aware, you're not aware of it anymore. And that's nice, you're aware of something else, much more beautiful. From Germany, how can you carry the peace of meditation into the daily life when you see all the sad news? Yes, you see sad news, but there's also some very beautiful news as well. But the point is that people don't tend to report beautiful news in newspapers or on the internet. The news outlets have tried that before, but no one buys papers where there's beautiful news. But in life, you see beautiful news. Sometimes, that was quite surprising that sometimes a good example of that was no once, oh, I'm making noise out there. Once over in Kuala Lumpur, there was uh, the Chinese community over there, there was riots against them. And I remember a couple of people from here who were visiting their relations in Kuala Lumpur the relations call them up, are you okay, are you okay? Because on the news channels you could see riots and things burning and blood. And they said, no, we don't see anything, it's nice and calm here. Because what was happening, the worst of any violence, that is what gets in the newspapers. And other parts people just don't see. So whenever you have a news of a catastrophe, yeah, it is terrible for those people who experience it. But there's also a lot of beautiful things happen at the same time. But those really rarely get in the news. So to overcome the sad news which you do see portrayed is the worst part of the worst disaster. 
You just look at the life around you, here in Nalamara, at your home. You walk down the streets, there's some beautiful things happening there. Balance. What you know is news with your own personal experience. And it's quite easy to stay content. I learnt about the five hindrances which has been helpful. During meditation, after staying tranquil, work issues arose, arise as the main hindrances. I classify as doer desire. Okay. Can you please comment on how to let go? Now one of the things which I mentioned about the future, that now is where your future is being made. And very often, like I have many decisions I have to make, and sometimes they're very crucial decisions, affect many other people. And so sometimes, how can I make those decisions? Can I just sit here and just spend the whole 45 minutes of the meditation thinking about them? And I realize I don't get anywhere that way. But what I have noticed, if you want to care for your future, care for the present. When I learn how to just meditate here and don't worry at all about the future, even though there's some very important decisions to make, just become peaceful and calm. Then when the hindrances are reduced or even disappear, then afterwards you make decisions and really brilliant answers come up so easily. It's like you are preparing the mind to become very, very strong, becomes more mindful, more perceptive, more insightful. And you saw that with, you know, with an Akin Ajahn Chah. Sometimes it blew my mind just how you can get some such wise solutions. And one of those solutions, I was wanting to talk about it in the talk last night, but now there's a little segue so I can talk about it now. About when somebody was possessed. And the villagers came early in the morning to see Ajahn Chah. So there's one of the women in the village who's gone crazy, possessed by some demon. And so they were bringing her to see Ajahn Chah. Now the entrance to this monastery, the gate, like at Dhammasara, those of you who've been there, where the nuns sort of uh, have their hall and have their meal, that's a long way from the entrance gate, similar to Wat Bapong. But even though the gate was such a long way, you could hear this woman screaming as they were dragging her to see Ajahn Chah. And when she came, now what was the solution to the problem which Ajahn Chah gave? He had never been trained as a clinical psychiatrist or a psychologist. He was actually much wiser than that. He saw her and she was literally throffing at the mouth. And about three or four villagers who were really quite strong were having difficulty holding her still. And she was saying obscenities all the time, really inappropriate words, in front of one of the holiest monks in the area. And Ajahn Chah looked at her, and he told a couple of monks, get some water, boil some water, we need a lot of water boiled. And told a couple of novices, get some spades out and dig a hole, a big hole. And 
the land in Wat Pong was very sandy, so it was quite easy to dig a hole and dig a big hole. And then she was having a hard time being held down by the villagers and he was telling the, the monk, more water, quick, we need more water, boiling water, lots of boiling water. We need the hole dug deeper, come on, work hard. And so these poor novices and monks were working so hard, sweating, trying to make this hole. And once it was get started, the water was boiling and the hole was starting to get big. He said that this is a very, very dangerous demon in this woman. And the only way we can deal with it, we've got to put her in this hole and put, boil lots and lots of boiling water all over her and then bury her. That's the only thing we can do. And I thought, I've never heard that <laughs> therapy before. <laughs> and it was amazing. She started calming down. Because <laughs> she thought that an Ajahn Chah would actually do this. And so did I. <laughs> and there's something called self-preservation which kicked in very quickly. And in five minutes she was just sitting there, exhausted but quiet. And that's when Ajahn Chah said, okay, we don't need to put her in the hole with boiling water. Just gave her five precepts, so I can take her back to the village now. We were exhausted, she just was taken back and probably slept for a couple of days. It was a beautiful therapy. So, how on earth could he figure that one out? totally sort of unique, but it worked. Because when the mindfulness is very strong, when the hindrances have been reduced or even not there, it's amazing just the insights which you get. And these unique ways of solving problems which no one else has ever done before. And that's actually what happens in the deep meditation you see solutions which no one else has seen. And the next little story happened probably around the same time. There was one of these other physicists over in Cambridge at the time and he had found out this solution and it was what we know now for anyone if you have done any physics, quantum tunneling. And it was uh, it's like how a person hasn't got any energy can actually just disappear on one side of the wall and appear on the other side of the wall. No physics laws are broken. And it became the, uh, the main theory behind supercomputers running at close to zero, zero Kelvin, very, very frozen. And he discovered it after meditating in the, as uh, Josephson, was it, I forget his Christian name now, but anyway, quantum tunneling. And he got a Nobel Prize from that. And that's why I thought, amazing, you get these insights which are just, you can't think these through, you see these. And then you almost like you work backwards and prove it's true, which is what he did, it took him years to do to prove it was right. But that's how he discovered this, through meditating. So that's why you have work issues as a main hindrance. Please understand, 
if you want to solve those work issues and get innovative solutions which are work, don't think about them. Be really still, get those hindrances to disappear and these solutions come up which are amazing. That's the power of meditation, the power of stillness. Insights which you just can't think, just arise in all forms of the life. Okay, any questions on that? Okay, and for today that I am going to another event, I'm going to leave here at 4.40, so uh, I'm going to bow now and anyone who has any questions, you please can come up and ask, but I won't have the usual length of time for questions afterwards.